effects are good. I know the fellowship is even better. But uh, let's keep rolling here. So thanks, everybody. And uh, Esther, did you get your lukewarm water? You did, good. And did Veronica get her coffee? She did, eh? Yeah, good. Awesome. Oh, there's lots of good snacks. I think it's a sign the Lions are going to win. It's, a, it's like a rainbow. Feel the power. Feel the power. So we can hear it. Slide this. Is it needs to be higher? Okay. That is Where's cool. Sharon? Is Sharon here? She is. Sharon, maybe I'll get you to come and share that right now just because I'm not sure how we're tracking at the end. So Sharon just had a word. Uh, Sharon is, is a youth pastor, Port Hardy, and uh, Mark's sister, by the way. And um, I'm going to get more water. I, um, I love youth pastors. I, I am a youth pastor. I have been a youth pastor. Once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor, right? It just, they can never knock it out of you. And uh, just appreciate, saw her connecting with Terry Ann. Terry Ann had a great night last night with our teens at the uh, bowling alley, tore up the town. And uh, just love, love the heart for the next generation. So uh, Sharon just, uh, just felt the Holy Spirit give her something, and I just want us to be sensitive to that just as we move into ministry time uh, a little bit later. Um, so when we were uh, singing the first song, um, I just, that, that phrase, uh, Jesus conquers the grave, kind of stuck out to me. And I just felt like if, um, I feel like there might be some grave spots in our lives or in, in, in some, some people's lives this morning. And I just felt like, um, I just want to encourage you that Jesus conquers those, those grave spots, you know, if they feel dead or stuck or, or whatever. I just want you to be encouraged that, you know, Jesus brings life. Um, yeah, he, he conquers the grave. So, mm -hmm. Thank you, Sharon. And, and the phrase I had as she was sharing that is, is when there's nerve damage in your body, sometimes there's a deadening. And, you know, our emotions and our spirits have nerves, too, that get damaged, that causes that deadening. So I think that's connected. So Joanna's going to teach this morning, continue our series on Encounter Jesus, Live the Story, which I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed this, this series. I felt the Lord just really on this. Um, I wasn't sure week by week totally what direction to go, but I just felt that this part of the story about passing on to the next generation, I really felt it was right that Joanna share on this. Just see that so much on her life, the way she mothers, the way she pastors our kids, and, and indeed the whole church. I think that, that gift and, and treasure is in her. So we love you, sis, and I'm going to pray for you. So, Lord, thank you so much for Joanna, the gift she is to me, her friendship. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing she is to our church. Lord, the, the, her pastoral gifts, her, her shepherding, prophetic gifts, and, and her teaching gift. Lord, we just ask that you would anoint her and empower her. We just, uh, just say, Lord, she's with family and that she can just, just be 
at home with us today. So come, Lord, empower us too. Lord, I just rebuke distractions and anything that would just uh, take away that would either distract her or distract us, Lord, just so we can be attentive together to you. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You Thank got your mic? you. I do, yeah. So as long as you, can you hear me with this mic? Does that work? Yes, great. Um, yeah, so for those of you who have not been with us so far in this series, we're working through uh, <clears throat> what in, Vineyard, in the Vineyard Canada we call our fusion document. And it's called the fusion document because it's a statement that is a fusion of our mission statement, our vision statement, our values, statement of faith. It's all woven together. And our lead pastor was, um, is this kind of echoey? Should I use a different mic? How's that going? Okay. No problem. Buck and wing, buck and wing. Okay. So that so that's why it's called a fusion statement. So as Gordy was just reminding us last week, the idea is it's it's a good idea to think about vision. What's our preferred future? What do we think God's dream is for us as a church? And then also our values. Why do we do what we do? And I have found this really helpful. I've been a part of this community now since 1998. And I didn't grow up in the vineyard, but in coming here, have felt that we found family here, felt that we found home here, and have done things the way that we've We've done them because I thought it was us, but I've been so happy to find out, and, and it's been so interesting and, and illuminating to find out more and more about who the Vineyard is as a movement, that the reason that we do things is not just because we you know, threw a bunch of stuff up against a wall and it's stuck. There's values behind it, um, and, and to look at that more and to realize that this is who, in the same way that each one of us as people has gifts and callings and uh, a personality, that we as the Vineyard Movement have gifts and calling and personality within the body of Christ. And that we as the Vineyard are called to be a certain way and we have a personality. And, um, and so it's great for us to look through this, this segment. And so uh, there's also been just a lot about um, this, this word keeps coming up through our staff meetings, leadership teaming, just a number of things, is, is the idea of posture. Not just what we think and, 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 uh, and, and vision ahead, but how do we position ourselves to receive people? How do we worship? How do we approach conversations when we're asked about hard issues? How do we do what we do? Exactly the way that it sounds when I said to you, you know, is my, is my physical posture up or whatever. It's that same idea that in the spirit and the way that we handle ourselves, how do we posture ourselves as we go ahead? And so I think this is huge because this might also be helpful for you if you are like me when I first came to the vineyard, I thought that the vineyard was insane. Insane. I grew up in a Catholic church. I stopped going to church for a while, and when I came back to church, I started going to an Anglican church. And when I came to the vineyard, um, I was appalled. <laughs> appalled. I thought, 
this is church. Like, you have no reverence of space. You have no respect. Like, people are talking back to the pastor. The pastor is trying to talk, and people are talking back to the pastor. Um, people took off their shoes and put their feet up on the benches, and the children, the children ran everywhere, back and forth. And Now, there weren't many children when we started to come. I think there were two, maybe three. I remember Lisa Killen would run, just laps, run, run, run run the whole time during worship, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Children were seen and not heard in the church that I went to. And you learned, well, first of all, my parents didn't take us to church when we were really young because there were four of us. We were born within five years of each other. Awesome, good, strong Catholic family. And, um, and my mom and dad took turns going to church for years because they couldn't take all four of us and sit in the bench. So they didn't go to church as a family for years because it wasn't possible for them to do that. And then, as they got older, we started to take us, but they taught us. Now, I do think there is something to be said for children learning how to sit and children learning how to listen. But through the uh, message today and learning our values, you are going to learn why we have this big old space here and why this morning it was culturally acceptable within this context, now that I've grown to the place that when my son decided he wanted to worship this morning by pretending to be different animals all through worship, until he was tired of being different animals and then he wanted to crawl under a bench and be hidden by a friend with a flag, I still have to work that out. There is still a part of me that halfway through goes, oh my gosh, and you'll notice I don't make eye contact with any of you during the time that that's happening. But he comes to church. And a year ago, we had to physically fight to put him in the car. And we've had people praying for him. We had a season where Gordy said to me, we're not going to have you up front anymore. We're not going to have you up front, even though you're a pastor. You're not going to um, speak up front until he's okay. Um, you'll know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but since we've been at St. David's, he doesn't wear his hearing protectors so much anymore. That's all happened because of how you all do church as a family. And if this church did church in a way where he had to sit still and be quiet, our family probably wouldn't be able to all come together, just the way he's wired. So I want to share with you more about that value. But what we're going to do first is we're going to read this little chunk of our fusion statement. So let's read this all together, okay? This is what we're talking about today. His story continues through our lives as we seek to live the way of Jesus. As communities, we are intentionally multi-generational. This means including our children and youth from whom we have much to learn in our midst. We are committed to passing on the story in such a way that each generation will encounter Jesus in their own right and find their place in the story. So that's what we're on about today. So the first question I would say is when we look at this first sentence here, his story, so his with the capital H, the story of God, the big story of God, continues through our lives as we seek to live the way of Jesus. So when I say to you, the way of Jesus, 
What do you think? You're totally allowed to talk back to the pastor. This is the vineyard. What do you think? What's the way of Jesus? Compassion. Somebody else. Love one another. No anxiety. Loving your enemies. Does somebody say suffering? Suffering, yes, that is the way of Jesus. Courage. Some more, when you think about Jesus how, and how he lived, what was the way, what was his way about him? What did he do? Yeah, countercultural. He was an iconoclast, right? Broke some rules, yeah. Yeah, accepted anybody. Jesus feminist. Talked to the women. Talked to the people he wasn't supposed to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, hung out with sinners. Yeah, he was gentle. Yeah, sacrificial. What about the way of Jesus with children? Was he like with children? Loved them. Yeah. Let's look at, uh, we've got a scripture here. Mark 10. The little children, right? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, oh, actually, I flipped this. Can you, sorry, bud, I did this, this is not, uh, this is not Wade's fault, this is my fault. Oh, no, I'm missing one. Oh, well, that's okay, I'm going to read to you. So I'm going to read to you, in Mark 10, if you have brought a Bible, you can look at it. Um, in Mark 10, chat, verse 13, little children are brought to Jesus, and you've probably heard this before, but I just want you to listen to this. So people were bringing little children to Jesus, and they wanted him to touch them. By the way, I'm reading to you today out of a translation called the New International Reader's Version, which is actually a great translation for reading to children, and I'm deliberately reading to you out of that translation so you can hear it that way, okay? People were bringing little children to Jesus. They wanted him to touch them, but the disciples told the people to stop. When Jesus saw this, he was angry. He said to his disciples, let the little children come to me and don't keep them away because God's kingdom belongs to people like them. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who will not receive God's kingdom like a little child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. So he said that. He said God's kingdom belongs to people like them and anyone who will not receive God's kingdom like a little child, will not enter it. So what, did, what do you think Jesus means? What are some ideas when he says, you have to receive God's kingdom like a little child? Because little children are not angels all the time. So we don't always want to be receiving things like little children, right? So what do you think that means? For without skepticism, I like that. Simple faith. Yeah. Somebody else, what do you think it means to receive God's kingdom like a little child? Oh, I like that. I like that. I'm going to go back to persistent. As a parent, it is work to choose to view your children's persistence as a gift at times. <laughs> it really is. And it's something we, we, we just had got that word about what you speak over your children and I'm so glad that was something that somebody had spoken to us because our second daughter, Eleanor, is persistent. And she will not give up. And when she was two, and I would, ha I mean, I would have, 
fights with her about, Mom, I want to wear all the shirts. You cannot put on all the shirts in your drawer. You can put on one shirt or two shirts. I wear all the shirts. Fine, honey. Wear all the shirts. Walked out of the room. She came back in the room. This is a child who was just learning to dress herself wearing seven shirts, one on top of the other. And I just went, I, I like that about you. And there were times where we had a show. And God even spoke to me. One time, one of the, the only time I remember God giving me a direct word about my kid I was holding her when she was little. And I just felt the spirit of God just put a thought in my brain out of the blue. She's going to be daring. And I went, okay. So there were times where we faced off, me and Eleanor, where she would be determined. And I would say to her, you are persistent and you are determined, and I was determined to never say, you stubborn so-and-so, right? Never negative, right? To say, you are persistent, and you are determined, and I like that about you, but right now, I'm the mom. <laughs> I'm in charge, and this is what's happening right now, and she would sort of go, okay, and you sort of had to face off with her that way, and each of our kids, it's been different. So I love that persistent like a little child. We, we get a clue about what he might have meant if you can go back to the, the Prezi, the verse that is there in Matthew chapter 18. We get a kind of a clue about what maybe Jesus meant when we look at this verse here, where um, it says, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, who's the most important person in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child over to him. And he had the little child stand among them. So imagine, just like we had this morning. We don't even have to imagine. We have a church that invites the kids to come and participate. So Amy, right? Here's Amy who just cruises. Or Sanez. Sanez is the only person in this church up until today who knew that there was a hole in the floor right here that's big enough to exactly fit a crayon in and balance it. <laughs> she knows that now. So he brought them and said, what I am about to tell you is true. You need to change, and you need to become like little children. And if you don't, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's the clue. He says, anyone who becomes as free of pride as this child is the most important in the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But what if someone leads one of these little ones who believe in me to sin? If he does... Just a second, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Let's listen to this. There's a little kid hanging out here. If you lead a child to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and be drowned at the bottom of the sea. How terrible it will be for the world because of the things that lead people to sin. Things like that must come. But how terrible for those who cause him. Jesus did not mince words when it came to children how important they were and how important it was for us to be like them and to see their, their, um, their lack of guile. And I mean, even this morning, this morning when Pax wanted to dance with me, I reached a point where I just, he was pulling me and he wanted me to come dance and I thought, it's too much, I'm just too embarrassed. And I just like pulled away and sat down and he could totally feel it. And I thought, oh, Man, I missed it, like, just because I was embarrassed, right? I just, so much sometimes. It's just so much. And I just think, like, I don't, I don't consciously think, like, oh, I'm the pastor and I have to stand up and talk later. But it's just whatever. It's just, I just get embarrassed sometimes. And um, 
And so then he went and hid, and then, thank goodness, Corey was so intuitive, and she just covered him up. And then he was hugging her later, like, thank you for coming. Like, man, it's just so much guesswork, right? So anyway, this clue, right, this idea, there's other translations of this verse where it says humble, taking a lowly position. Um, or, you know, in the message, Eugene Peterson translates this verse to say, to say I'm telling you, once and for all, unless you go back to square one and start over like children, you're not ever going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever can become simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. And what's more, when you receive the childlike, so his translation isn't just children, but the childlike on my account, it's the same thing as receiving me. So what's the way of Jesus? How do we receive Jesus? By receiving children and by receiving the childlike and being childlike. So it's, it's why we do a lot of the way we do. We had a reading today about investing. We invest our finances as a church. We invest our time. We invest our physical space. Our priorities when we were looking for this building was if the handicapped can't get in and there's no room for the kids, it's not the building for us. You know, it's Gordy was talking about putting the big rocks in, right? For us, the big rocks were, you know, we got to find a place to meet. It needs to be an East fan. And if we can't get our friends that are differently abled in the building and we can't get our kids in the building, then it's not our building. And we do that for a reason. So if you carry on, the next passage or the next, uh, I was going to say verse, it's not quite gospel. The next line in our fusion statement says, as communities, we're intentionally multi-generational. This means including our children and our youth from whom we have much to learn in our midst. So we are intentionally multi-generational. We try whenever we can to honor men. I, we, we like to celebrate Bob and Anna's anniversary every year because they've been married for 47 years. Way to go. I love it. You know, I love that Gloria has wisdom for my family that I don't have yet because of what she's done as a mom. And just recently, we're, again, we're dealing with some different things with PACs, and we had this expert professional say, do, 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 do. And I said, yeah, that's what Gloria said a couple weeks ago <laughs> in that moment where, you know, we were at her house and she was hosting us, and PACs came along and kicked her. Like, kick, did he kick you in the butt? I don't know, or in the leg, like smacked. Yes, so kicked you in the knee and smacked you in the butt, and I was horrified. I wanted to hide. I just wanted to die. And she said, I think we I wanted to ask him why you did that. So then she came to him and said, Pax, why did you do that? And he said, this is my son, for those of you who don't know, obviously. And he said, because I imagined like a cartoon, and I saw a cartoon where somebody did this thing, and it was so funny. And I thought it would be great if I did this thing. And honestly, what he was kind of saying was, like, I thought it'd be really cool, and I was really comfortable here, and it looked like a really fun, awesome thing to do. And I just tried it. She said, I could just tell from the look on his face, from everything about him, that it didn't look mean. And I was like, I phoned her <laughs> this week and said, I know I thanked you before, but thank you again for getting my kid. Thank you for having that intuition. We need different generations and people with different experiences in community together. We learn from each other. And, and, and it's important that we're intentional and we make room for each other in that way because we get that grace. And in my head, I thought, yes, you know, thank you, awesome, you know, official <laughs> psychologist telling his kindergarten teacher that that was what she should do with him. But somebody already told me that 
in my church because the Spirit of God prompted them, and she's wise. So, yay. Yay, you. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, people that do things with our kids who take them swimming and bake cakes with them and teach them skills. And, and, um, and you know, this is why we're determined about including our children and youth. It's why we have people play in the band. You know, Esther doesn't have to wait until she's graduated high school to come play keyboard. Um, it's like the International Day of Prayer where the lead pastors went and got my 10-year-old and said, we know you have a real heart for this. Will you come up and, and share? And Wade and I both said afterwards, and we haven't said this to Sophia because I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't want her to be conscious of it, but the two of us watching her, there was something that crossed over in her last week, and I don't know if any of you who, who know her well noticed it, but she was standing here with you waiting to pray, and she, I felt like it was the first time I really saw her take it, not that she'd ever taken coming to the front not seriously before, but it was almost like before it was a show. And she came up and she just took it, took it in and was waiting on God and waited for the word and gave the word. And I watched her and I thought, that's something that is that was not, it, we had no idea that she was going to be asked. That was something that Gordy and Kathleen have just drawn out in her by continually just recognizing gifts. And I know you've done that with other kids over the years, that there have been times where you've just had times alone with Aiden or times alone with other kids where you've just said, hey, like, we see this in you. So it's really valuable that we do that. Um, you know, Rose Nauman, she's not here today, but she has been pivotal in saying when we didn't have many families here, when it was basically the Penteltes and, and Kaylee and her older mother and sisters, if we don't build something for our kids, kids are never going to come and built the nursery, and equipped the church, and put stuff in place, and wrote policies, and did the hard work of putting the safety stuff in place, and she still sometimes, it's really thankless sometimes, she'll notice stuff that nobody else notices, and I've just said to her again and again, keep telling me, you have such a gift for seeing this stuff, please keep saying it, she's just been really pivotal in doing that, um, for me, I just, I had such a revelation the other day where I don't know how many of you are here, but I was downstairs teaching uh, our primary kids who are kindergarten to grade three. And their assignment that day was to make up their own song from the Psalms. And they made up their songs and they were having a great time. And then the kids said, um, when, do we, when are we going upstairs to sing these songs? <laughs> and, I, and I said, do you want to go upstairs and sing the songs? And I think there were five of them, and four of them said yes. And, of course, God bless Judah said no. But he's very self-aware, and he said, I have stage fright. I'll hide behind a bench. So he came up with the group and then hid. So we love Judah, and he gets to hide, and that's what he does. And, and everybody else came up, and those kids, like, they flippin' owned the mic. They were like, we had packs over here on one thing, like, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And Sarah and Eleanor were doing their thing, and Sarah was doing their thing. I want you to know that was, I did not coach them. I did not say anything to them, and I was like, that was so neat. But as I was preparing this sermon, I just felt like God said to me, that is way more than neat. That is way more than, wasn't that a really fun, cute thing that happened? Those kids know that this is their space. There is no space in this church that is off-limit to our children. And I have seen different churches do church in different ways. And there are good things and bad things about all of them. And there are blessings to be learned from 
being a kid that grows up in a liturgically based setting where you learn focus and you learn memorization and you learn, I learned wonderful skills growing up in the Catholic Church that I am grateful for. And there are kids who have learned really cool things from churches that do entirely separate things, where they have a separate kids ministry the whole time, they feel like they have their own place, it's focused, they love doing that. But we are the vineyard. And this is why we're looking at our fusion statement, because who we feel God has called us to be as a movement, as a church, is that our part of the body of Christ, we are supposed to have the kids in our midst. And sometimes that is really hard and really distracting and really off-putting. And I just want you to know, as a parent, I apologize officially now for every time my kid will be distracting. But I have to tell you, I can't imagine anywhere else where they would feel welcomed in the way that they feel welcomed right now. And our kids know that there is nowhere that is off limits to them in this community. And that if they have a word, they can bring a word, and it's going to be taken seriously by this community, that it's going to be taken seriously by the leaders, that if they have a song or they have something to share, they can bring that. And for me and my money, man, I am going to keep investing and my life and my time. That is why we're called here. We're a part of it. And if you have something in your spirit that can say amen to that, I would say, hallelujah, you are in the right place because that is our value. That is what we are supposed to be doing here. So as we continue looking through this, this statement, it says we are committed so I've just told you our value. Now, why are we committed? Well, we're committed to passing on the story with a capital S in such a way that each generation will encounter Jesus in their own right and find their own place in the story. So first of all, this is a good thing to do because we're commanded to do it in Scripture. This is something that from the Old Testament verses from Deuteronomy, this is something that was given to the people of Israel, that there is value in telling the stories of God to your children. So we tell the stories of our children again and again. There is something about remembering. This is a message we heard over and over at our Vineyard um, Provincial Conference was it's not nostalgia. It is not, oh, those were the good old days to remember who we are as a movement, where we come from, and what is our unique gifts. We as the vineyard have been gifted in worship and compassion. That is who we are. So this, guys, is important. This isn't just going through a text. Do you understand that? Are you getting that from this series? This is who we are as a community. This is who we are. And there should be kind of a checklist going on inside of you, either going, yeah, this is me. I'm on board with this. Or really, is this me? I need to sort that out. Maybe there's some processing. Maybe there's some whatever that needs to happen. But this is important for you to hear, that, as, that the leaders of our movement are coming and saying, this is our value. So we're committed to passing on this story. We're committed to having conferences and church spaces and camps that make room for all the generations and all the people. And so I guess, um, oh, sorry. So we're commanded in scripture. It's not just nostalgia. This is what God says. So I'm going to show you a scripture here from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Still reading again from this more kid-friendly version. So listen to this. Love the Lord your God. Do what he requires. Always obey his rules, laws, and commands. And remember today that your children weren't the ones that your Lord God taught and trained. 
they didn't see his majesty. So the children never saw the majesty. The children, they weren't in Egypt when he reached out his mighty hand and his powerful arms. They did not see the miraculous signs and the other things he did in Egypt. And they didn't see what he did to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to his whole country. They weren't there when he destroyed the army of Egypt and its horses and chariots. The Lord swept the waters of the Red Sea over the Egyptians while they were chasing you, and he wiped them out forever. So recalling the story again, recalling God's greatness again. So will you move on to the next slide for me, please? Your children didn't see what he did for you in the desert before you arrived here. But with your own eyes, you saw all the great things the Lord has done. So moving to verse 18, keep my words in your hearts and your minds. Write them down. Tie them on your hands as a reminder. Tie them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Speak about them when you go to bed and speak about them when you get up again. Write them on the door frames of your houses and also write them on your gates and then you and your children will live for a long time in the land. The Lord took an oath and promised to give the land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your family line will continue as long as the heavens remain above the earth. Sorry, come, st stay, stay. Tell them the story, tell them the story, tell them the story. Verse 21, and then you and your children will live a long time in the land. There is something about telling this story that is connected to long life in the land. There is something about reminding the generations and telling the children and the youth in our midst the good things that God has done that is connected with long life in a prosperous place in a land of blessing there is something about us continuing our lives with God that are connected with telling the stories to our children and the generations to come that is sobering and inspiring I think this verse also and another verse in Deuteronomy is the reason why you can go to the next picture that um, very devout Jews actually have a practice of taking the scripture and tying the scriptures in boxes on their foreheads and on, see, there's on their arms and on their hands. Literally, they take this scripture literally. Put, tie it on your head. Tie it on your arms that the word of God would be with you. And this here in the door frame, the blue here, this is a mezuzah, which has the holy scriptures inside of it. And some of them are at angle because some rabbis disagree whether they should be placed vertically or horizontally. So to, to just get everything in, they put it diagonally and it points towards the inside of the house. But some Jewish households have this outside the door of every room in the house. Write the words on your doorposts. Write them on your foreheads. So can you take that metaphor and take that in? Like that's the extent that we are to be telling the story of God. And so that is why I would say we already know this as a community and we already do this as a community, but this isn't just talking about parents and biological children, right? This is talking about a principle for a whole community. So this is talking about all of us together and not just our own biological children, but each other's or our own adoptive children or children that we're raising, however the, the, fra you know, the phrasing is. But the kids that we would call ours, they're our whole communities. So 
if you're going to ask who's passing on the story in our church community right now, well, I, I, took, some po- I took a poll here. So uh, now just so you know, there was a lot of kids missing last week. I took these videos last week. Multiple children elected not to be interviewed, so it's not the only reason why my kids are basically the only ones who talk in the video. Let the non-executive record show. And there were some people who gave me responses not on the video too, so I'll share those in just a minute, but I'll let you see what the kids said when I asked them last week. Got some sound? I'm here to talk about, um, hi, my name is Sophia, and I'm here to talk about, um, what are some of the people in my church who have a good influence on me, and why? First of all, I think of my Sunday school teacher, Monica, who, um, teaches me so many ways to serve the Lord in everyday life. I'd also like, I'd also think that, I think also this, I also think of um, Jessica, the primary kids school teacher um, for, for showing me how to teach the little ones. And I also love, well, What also comes to mind is my Papa Gordy, who who encouraged me to worship the Lord in everything I do. Great. You're on. Really, really wanted to say something. Excellent. Anything you'd like to say? No problem. Evangeline is here. And the person nearest to her who's helping her today is her Sunday school teacher. Jessica Christine, uh, Catherine, and some. I'm taking videos of kids today at church and I'm asking them. Which grown-ups help you at your church who aren't your mom and dad? Do you have any friends from this church who help you? Yeah? Who helps you? Karen. And who else? Matt. Mom is whispering. Christine. Yeah? We might be being prompted. And Dorothy. And her dad is helping her. And the grown-ups who are near her, who are helping her, are her Sunday school teacher again. And her friend, Mr. Matt. My sisters help me up here and visit sometimes. Every time, it's so cool. They are the best. Love ya. Heads up. That was Peter and Jessica. Every time. They are the best. It's really true. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a big picture story, right? We're all committed to helping each other's kids. And Sarah, too, before the, before the camera went on, Sarah was smiling away. Everybody was so excited about it. Um, Kaylee talked to me this morning about Erin Morgan, who was a part of our church for a long time, who had a huge impact on her. Um, Annika 
shared that for her, Monica is really a big influence right now because she said for her, the biggest thing is that you're talking about fears that are coming up in her life and how to face them. And for her, that's really making a big difference to her. And, um, and just that there are other people that we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're raising each other's kids. And I just have to say, too, like, just to know that, man, that my kids don't have to show up here and be perfect. And that is, I guarantee, I mean, I just, I count on that. Because that's a principle that I feel like is held for me, too. That even though I forget that, that I don't have to show up here and be perfect. And so that's something that I want my kids to know. That church is a place where you come no matter how you're doing that day. That church is a place where you come to get help, whether you feel like you can help other people or whether you need to be helped that day. That it's not a place to put on your best shiny fake face and just shake everybody's hands and, and pretend that everything is okay, but that, that church is somewhere where you belong. And so I feel like all of you do that for my kids, and it's a privilege for me to do that for others. It's such a blessing. So I, I'm, I'm really loving that. And if we ask, well, why does it matter? Why does passing on the big picture story matter? Um, some other good friends of ours who were a part of our church for many years who are now part of the vineyard in Calgary, the Stovells, um, John and Beth, they had their first little girl, Elena, when she was here in this church, and Elena is now nine. And, um, and there was uh, John and uh, Elena, or sorry, John and Beth posted this story, and I asked them if I could share it. it. said, tonight as we read the Two Towers, the Tolkien book, to Elena, we came upon the part of the story where Sam and Frodo discuss stories. And then she quoted the part from the book, and it said this, Yes, that's so, said Sam. And we shouldn't be here at all if we'd known more about it before we started. But I suppose that's often the way. The brave things and the old tales and the old songs, Mr. Frodo, the adventures I used to call them, I used to think that they were the wonderful things that the folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because life, they wanted life to be exciting and life was a bit dull, like a sport, you might say. But that's not the way of it in tales that really mattered or the ones that really stay in your mind. Folk seem to have just landed in them usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't even know, because they would have been forgotten. We hear about those who went on, not just to a good end, mind you, and not least what the folk inside the story would call a good end. And you know, coming things... All right, finding things at home all right, but not quite the same like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't really always the best tales to hear, are they? They might be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of a tale this is that we've fallen into. I wonder, said Frodo, but I don't know, and I guess that's the way of a real tale. Take any story that you're fond of. You might know or you might guess what kind of a tale it is, a happy or a sad ending, but the people who are in it, they don't know. And you don't want them to know. Well, no, sir. Of course not. Well, Baron, Baron, he never thought he was going to get that Silmaril from the Iron Crown of Thangoridum, and yet he did. And that was a worse place. That was a blacker danger than ours. And that's a long tale, of course. It goes on past the happiness and into grief and beyond it. And then the Silmaril went on, and it came to Arendelle, and, oh, sir, I never thought of this before. Well, you've got some of that light right now. 
That light is in the star glass that the lady gave you. <gasps> We're in the same tale. We're in the same tale still. It's still going on. Don't the great tales, don't they never end? No, said Frodo. No, they never end as tales. But the people in them, the people in them come and they go when their parts ended and our parts going to end sooner or later. John and Beth were reading this to Elena, and Elena suddenly had an epiphany. And she said, it's like our lives. This is like our lives. Our stories are like, our lives are like stories that keep going. And it's like God is writing this enormous story. That's what Elena said. It's like there's this giant library of our whole lives. And God just keeps writing it and writing it. Every day, and every day, and every day, and it never ends. So when it starts to feel that big, what do we do with this thing that we've been charged with to tell the story to our kids and our youth? It starts to feel huge. How do we do that? Well, I guess my next point would be, it says in our vision state, our fusion statement, we want to tell the story in such a way that our children and youth believe that they're a part of the story. They think that they could get up or give a word or be a part of whatever's going on. So I have some ideas today, and I want to suggest them to you. I think the first way we do this is that you have to tell them their story. We do that with dedication. We do that with baptism. We do that with our own children. We do that. You do that every time you say something to my kids. Like, I remember when this was you. We say to our children, we wanted you. We dreamed about you. I say to my boy, I say to him, I remember I was on a ferry boat one day, and I saw a little boy, and he had fair hair, and the light was shining through his ears, and I wanted a little boy. And you came. You are my little boy. So we tell them their stories. And as you know each other, you can say, I mean, my kids love that. They innately do that. Oh, I saw a picture of Saoirse when she was a baby. She was such a cute baby. I remember this. I remember that. So we tell them their story, right? How were they connected to what's going on here? And then we tell them our stories. Tell them your story. I remember when this happened to me. It can be the simplest thing in the world. I one of my most profound moments of, as a teacher was like talking about good or bad things that happened to people in their youth. And you just shared like maybe 30 seconds with me. And I felt like I got to know you, Kenny, in a way that I'd never known you before by hearing your story, right? It's so important that we hear each other's stories. So tell them your story if you're with the kids. We need to share other great stories, stories of, of missions heroes. Man, my kids, when I read the missionary stories, they almost always, especially Eleanor says, is this real? Is this a real thing? It's so great to say, yeah, yeah, and they dug that well, and they got fresh water out of that well, and it didn't come anywhere else, or there was angels, and they walked right by. I mean, the stories of faith, and you can find them. You know, tell kids great stories. And then we need to tell them the story. Tell them that we are in a story that has started from the creation and it's still going and we're a part of it. This is the 
best resource I can recommend. If you have not seen the Jesus Storybook Bible, get one no matter how old you are. It is profound. And it's the theme is every story whispers his name. I mean, one example, they start about, what's the Bible? What is the Bible? Well, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful fairy tale of all has come true in real life. Is this true? Is this really true? It's really true. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all of the stories are telling one big story with a capital S. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And it takes the whole Bible to tell this story with a capital S. And in the center of the story, there's a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle. He's the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child on whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day, <gasps> but wait. Our story starts where all good stories begin, at the beginning. And then they tell Genesis. And it's wonderful. And even at the end of Genesis, I love it because it, it says, at the story, sorry, not Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve, it says, in another story, it would have been all over, and that would have been, and it even put in big capitals, the end. Dun, dun, dun. But then they turn the next page. And I, when I read this to my kids, like, they'd heard the story of Adam and Eve. They were like, they almost couldn't listen. They were like, no, it's too terrible. And I said, no, 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 you have to listen. You have to listen. Not in this story. God loved his children too much to let the story end. Even though he knew he would suffer, God had a plan. God would love his children in spite of everything with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. One day, God would come. So every story is like this. And then, even in the way that they finish the Bible, here's John writing Revelation, and it says, John came to the end of his book, but he didn't write the end, because, of course, that's how stories finish, but this story isn't over yet. So instead, he wrote, come quickly, Jesus, which is perhaps really just another way of saying for anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes in what Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out to take it, then God will give them this wonderful gift to be born into a whole new life, to be who they really are, to be who God always made them to be, their own true selves, God's dear child. Because you see, the most wonderful thing about this story is it's your story. It's your story too. And it says here, to be continued. 
And so that's what we're doing every day of our lives with each other, no matter how old we are. The story is going on and on. And it's helpful to think about it in big terms, like a big storybook sometimes, because it feels so mundane so much of the time. And especially if you're walking with children every day, it feels mundane so much of the time. But when we remember the big stories, when we were talking with our kids this Remembrance Day about the fact that they were here because they had grandparents who had fought in the war and survived and still lived, and so their story went on and on and on. That we are writing this story when we get together, and it is not a small thing who we do church with. It is a big thing, those of you who have come together and committed to do life, though us with each other. Even if it's just on Sundays, the way that we respond and care and speak to each other. I mean, ministry time is just one part of it. It's important, and we see God move, and we see incredible, beautiful things happen, and we believe that God will heal, and we're always going to make time for ministry time, but you are ministering to each other, and to each other as generations, and to our children, from the way that when we're not even outside the door of the car, you lean over the, the welcome, the, the, the edge, and say, good morning, Pallisters, like Kim this morning. And my kids went, oh, here's my place where I belong. Here we are. So my questions for you this morning are in the light of this big idea, sorry, you can go back to that one thing, this big idea, we're intentional, we're including, and we're committed, and we're telling this story. You can go to the next one, Anne. How well do you understand your place in this story that God's doing in your home, in your neighborhood, in your church, in your workplace, in the world? Are you giving yourself enough credit for the role that you play are you making yourself small in this story? Are you realizing the impact that you have? It's a pretty big deal. There was a wonderful story that John Mumford told when we were at our BC gathering of, here's Billy Graham, he impacted more people as an evangelist, anybody. Who was Billy Graham's teacher? And he went back. And who was that person's teacher? And he went back. And it, it was like Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody, these great names. And then he said, and who was D.L. Moody's teacher? And the story goes that D.L. Moody, this great man who impacted a great man who impacted a great man, thousands and thousands of people, was a Sunday school teacher who decided to take inventory to just check on each one of the students in his young adults Sunday school class. Did they really know God and really have a relationship with Jesus that he felt were vibrant and alive? And he went and met with Moody in the back of a shoe store. And they prayed a prayer and Moody gave his life to God. I bet you that that Sunday school teacher did not leave that shoe store going, that is it, we have impacted millions of people for Jesus today. Generations, I tell you, generations. We have no idea what we do when we bless a child. We have no idea what we do. Many of you already do this all the time. 
And I just want to say, let's just ask again out of obedience. How can you commit to be a part of the story of the children and youth in our church community? And for many people, it's teaching as Sunday school leaders, and it's absolutely incredible. Some of you are just really faithful with your giving. You just give faithfully to kids' church every month. (laughs) You've never taught Sunday school, but how many times did you set up that gate in the other building? so that the kids had a safe place to play. Can you even count? I can't even count how many times you set up that gate, right? And you just, you know, you honor my kids. So, yeah. And then the last thing I would say is, I mean, I feel like we've been on on the edge of this a few times. When you read Tolkien, you can't help but get to that place. But I just say that, you know, the couple minutes we have, just be willing to sit. In, in the light, in the, in the beauty of the stained glass, in, in the light of, of whatever favor or peace that you're enjoying this morning, and ponder the greatness of a God whose idea of loving us was to make a story, a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unending, always-and-forever love that's all about rescue and coming back for us, and sending us to come back for each other. That there's nothing beyond redemption. That there is no ending to a story that looks horrible that can't be saved. And that we can speak to our children with hope because of the great things that God has done. Amen. Lord, I think of the ways that you have rescued me. I think of how at times in my life when I turned my back on you, a really key time in my life when I turn my back on you, you just pursued me harder than ever. You sealed it with a ring and, and, uh, and a husband and a life and a love that is impossible. Impossible. I... I remember the parts of my story where I would come to church and weep because I was sure I had wrecked everything. And I would look at people who stood and worshipped, especially stood and worshipped with their partners holding hands, thinking, I've so wrecked it. I never thought that I'd ever find a godly love. I never thought ever that I could be used of you. I never thought I'd be a missionary or a pastor. And you have saved me and saved me and saved me. And all I ever wanted to be was a mom. And there's so many women who want to be moms who don't get to be moms. And all I ever really wanted was friends, good friends. 
And you've given me both in such abundance. Thank you that you are the author of my story and that you are the author of the story of every single person here and that you are the author of the story of every single one of the children and the youth in our church and that you have given us the unbelievable, ridiculous, terrifying divine privilege of helping write this story. Would you give us a fear and trembling of you and a wonder and a delight in you that we would do it well and take it to heart, that we would continue to put them in our midst and to raise up the lowly and to honor the humble, that you would humble our hearts so that we might receive you and that we might receive the kingdom because you all, all I really ever wanted was you. Thank you for the gift of you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, I ask that if there are people here who for whatever reason, even if they've been showing up here every day for years, if they've forgotten that this is really about you coming back to rescue us. Would you help us to open our hearts again and say yes to you again? And maybe for the first time, maybe there's somebody here that you've never, ever really asked Jesus to write your story for you. You think you did, but you realize that you've never really trusted him to write your story. That's where it starts. So I just invite you now to say yes to the God who has always been writing your story, who I believe has written your story from the time you were made in your mother's womb and wrote today, wrote this moment into that story. Would you just say yes? Would you say, as John said, come quickly, Jesus? We've heard good news today. And <clears throat> the story is about a father who's lost his kids and wants them back. And there are some of you that came in this morning and your father is, is right here. And maybe you said yes just now. And if you did, I would encourage you before you leave today to, to have a friend that you trust or, or somebody that, that, that uh, you can ask to pray for you. There's going to be some elders and leaders up here that are going to be available to pray. Uh, I've had a real sense that those dead spots that Sharon talked about in your life, some of you that happened in your childhood, there's some damage that happened to do with childhood, to do with youth. And the Lord is doing some healing and some restoration with regards to just some broken trust. You know, our hearts are made to trust. And when that trust is broken, it's like a broken bone or a broken muscle, a torn muscle. And that has to be restored. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. 
He came to heal the brokenhearted. And I feel that's a heart that has lost the capacity to trust. And, and we were born to trust, but the fall has caused us to be born doubters. Uh, we were created to trust. The fall has caused us to be born doubters. And so there's some healing, I feel, that, that needs to happen in that area. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful message, for this beautiful, inspiring challenge to us. And, and thank you for privileging us, oh God, that we can be in this story, Lord, that somehow you have privileged us with not only rescue, but to be part of your rescue, to be your hands and feet, Lord, to, to, to show the heart of the Father, to show his eyes, his face, his love, his compassion. Thank you for this beautiful movement called the Vineyard that we're part of. Thank you, God, for this greater movement that we're part of called the Body of Christ in the world. We're just grateful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of our children. We thank you, Lord, for what we learn from them. We need them, Lord. And we ask, God, that we would constantly, as you did, put them in our midst and learn from them. And as you said, become like them. To constantly begin, be willing to begin again. Yeah. To lay down our preconceived notions that the ongoing advance of the kingdom of God requires us to unlearn everything we already know and to be open to, to just fresh ways and leadings of your spirit, innovation and improvisation. And God, we are, we, we too often default to safe procedures and, oh, we've, we've never done it that way before. Mm -hmm. and, and God, let us be like little children and put a spirit of adventure on us. I just want to encourage anyone that felt... Um, Maybe in your childhood you didn't have the nurture from a mother. I think Joanna today has just rolled out the red carpet for us about God's love, his incredible, tender, compassionate heart of love. And we need people that represent and show us that love. It's like someone said we need, you know, Jesus with skin on. And today, I just feel like very much a real burden for those of us that never had that kind of mom that Joanna a has talked about. And if you would just, I mean, there's, you just would love to be able to almost throw yourself into her arms and just let her pray for you. And if you're feeling that, you don't have to come forward. But, uh, yeah. Right. So you don't, it's, it's not like you have to, yeah. but if you want to, and there's people like someone's just raised their hand, you know, we all have had lack in our lives where we have not had the mothering. We haven't had the fathering. And this is what Jesus does. And we've all had to go through it. And so I just strongly encourage you to come and let Joanna pray for you because she's, she's just rolled the red carpet out. And God is going to do a tremendous work of healing, and you're going to just really, like, have your lives just totally healed. And dads, too, I would just say, you know, maybe if there's 
I don't know if Gordy's available or some of our other dads, yeah. spiritual dads available. Um, if, this sound, if that sounds weird to you or that hasn't happened before, maybe even, I mean, for me, I have a great mom and a great dad. And sometimes in ministry times like this, I almost felt like, am I betraying my great mom? Am I great? We're all human. We all have human parents. You know, everybody makes mistakes. And so if there is a spot where you just, for whatever reason, go, okay, before I can move on and minister, I need a mother's blessing. I need a father's blessing. Come and get it, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like, but I would just say yes to that. Partway through your message, um, a phrase that Gordy has said to me a few times directly, and, and also because seeing the video that you put together, Sophia talking about influence that I've had in her life, it's incredibly humbling to hear her say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, Annika, I don't, and Annika too. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's just amazing because I came back to the church a few years ago, not that long ago, and what Gordy said to me a few times the story isn't finished yet. I grew up in church, lived there all my life, went to Sunday school, and then in my adult years, I got burnt out, fell away, but God has brought me back, and I feel like I'm a very broken person that has been healed, and if God can use me in such a powerful way, that's just amazing. And so I say to anybody here that maybe feels like they're not good enough or how can God use me, just make yourself open and, and say, show me how. I'd like to say that to my dad. My dad's grieving the loss of my mom a few years ago and he feels that he has no purpose left. So that's one of the things I'll be praying for is that I can help him find that. No matter where we're at, in our lives, how frail we are, what gifts we have, God can use us. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like my life in some ways is just beginning. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to do through me and through each one of you here. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Thank you, Monica. Straight on. Well, we do need to, uh, those of us who have kids, do need somebody needs to go get them. If we want to honor them and bring them into our midst, we can't just leave them with the Sunday school teachers all the time. But um, please, please don't, uh, please don't leave if uh, there's more to be done. Why don't we all stand if you can? The story's not finished. Some of you need to hear that right now. And so the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God. The fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. We bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to walk a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, God-honoring life this week. Go in his grace. Go in his peace. Amen. So if you would like prayer, uh, we're going to open up the front. Uh, Holy Spirit is here. God bless you.